Welcome to Career Tools. Today's topic, answering questions about your GPA. Here we go. In the first five or so years out of college, and for some longer than that, one of the first questions one is asked in an interview is, what is your GPA? Now, that's an easy enough question if you're proud of your achievement. But unfortunately, some folks aren't so proud of their achievement. And we get this question either in the discussion forums or somebody writing us an email all the time. Yeah. It actually, it's interesting because it's not as often in the discussion forums because people are embarrassed about yeah, they, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they send us an email. Yeah, there's an underlying theme about the questions we get asked regarding this. I'll, I'll talk about it in a minute. It re- this question really bothers me when people want to know how to handle it. Yeah. You know, some folks didn't do as well as they hoped or circumstances conspired against them and somehow made it more difficult for them to study. Or, you know, they discovered that they weren't mature enough or interested enough in the topic and slacked off a little bit. So there's, there's, there's a myriad of reasons why people run into this particular problem and don't do as well in their university classes as they would like to. So today we're going to talk a little bit about how to handle that. And we have some ideas. Yeah, really simple structure to this cast. Point one is answer the question. Folks, don't miss this. Answer the question. It's an easy question once you think about it. Not feel about it, but think about it. It's easy. Uh, number two, if you're allowed to elaborate, elaborate after you've answered the question. And then point three, GPA really does matter to recruiters. Okay. Now, that said, before I get into answering the question, I want, I want to elaborate upon my comment earlier that there's a theme that bothers us about this question. Okay. For some reason, this is one of those questions there are a whole series of them, you know, about how do I talk about how I was fired and what if I got laid off and uh, what if I took a cut in pay and so on. Interviewing, unfortunately, for many people is by definition a gray area where suddenly you, it's like we're advertising and we're marketing and we can we can bend the truth. I have, Some of you know I like to play golf and, uh, you know, No one ever says on a golf ball commercial, this ball goes farther than any other ball on tour or off of your club, right? Why do they say that? Because it's, I think it's actually illegal to say that. It may not technically be illegal, but the fact is, in addition, it's not true, okay? Because there are standards and everybody's trying to make their ball go as far as the standards will allow, but the standards are pretty strict based on what the Royal and Ancient and the USGA set up. The point is, what they say is no ball is longer. And that is allowed, because it's technically true, it's allowed to lead people to believe who aren't discerning that that's actually means they're the longest ball, longest hit golf ball if you hit it the same way. So in a way, it is designed to say X and to be truthful, while also in a way misleading and give you the impression of Y, something different. And we see this with these series of questions, or not series of questions, but these types of questions, and GPA is one of them. Folks, if you're asked a question that has a factual answer, you're obligated in an interview to give a factual answer. Let me, let me take that back. You're not obligated. If you're going to tell people that we advised you, you're obligated to do so. 
Okay. If you don't, if you give an answer that is not factual, when in fact a fact is what is called for, and a fact would be how old are you and what is your, or what is your cell phone number or what is your email address? If you mislead on those questions, even if the information is more helpful or less helpful, it doesn't matter. You've misled on purpose in order to gain, which is prevarication or, you know, a, a lack of honesty, a lack of ethics. The fact that people ask us, how do I answer what is your, what was your GPA stuns me. It's like saying, what color are your eyes or what size are your feet? What size shoes do you wear? This is not a matter of how can I make this sound good? Okay. If someone asks you, you, if somebody asked me my weight, I might like the fact that I'm overweight and I might think to myself, well, gosh, it's going to be embarrassing. And the fact is the interviewer is in charge. They've asked you a factual question and you're, you are obligated if you're an ethical person to respond in a factual way. Okay. Now they should not <laughs> asking your weight is technically illegal, at least in the U S for, for many, many jobs. So the point here is if you're thinking, I really want to know this, I really want to know how they're going to tell me how to handle my GPA. GPA doesn't need to be handled folks. Your GPA is what your GPA is. Okay. It's like being asked your middle name. It's not a matter of what middle name might make me sound good. Is there a bias against various middle names of different ethnic or religious or gender background? It's irrelevant. The question is, what is your middle name? Just like what is your GPA? And that's why we start with answer the question. I'm going to say this one more time. If you are hanging on our every word right now, finally, they're going to tell me how to handle this question. You're going to be disappointed, but you're going to learn the right answer. Okay. There is no spinning this answer. So when you say answer the question, I mean, what do you mean by it? It sounds like a, it sounds yeah. like a pretty simple answer, right? It sounds yeah. like uh, 3.2. Yeah, exactly. Is, is I that mean, what you mean? Look, <laughs> yeah. In fact, people say, how do I answer the question, what is the GPA? So you string some numbers together. <laughs> I mean, and, and in the U.S., you have a decimal point. Now, look, just, just to do a, a brief mention for uh, – we know that GPAs, grade point averages, the numeric – evaluation of your quality and quantity of your studies in school. We know it's different in different places. In the U.S., GPA stands for grade point average. It's the measure of how well you did. 4.0, uh, there are exceptions where you can get above a 4.0 in certain special classes and if you're at the top of your class and so on. But generally speaking, a 4 is all A's, a 3 is all B's, and a 2 is all C's. If you don't know this in your in Europe or somewhere else in the world, if someone tells you that a 4.0 in college, that's really good. It's what we also it's also known as straight A's. Some people in the U.S. call it a four point as opposed to a 4.0 or a 4.0. It's nothing but A's. Pretty hard to get in most colleges, particularly in a college that has a national uh, reputation. Generally speaking, in the U.S., just so you know, a 3.0 is considered the beginning of a dividing line. If you got below a 3.0 in college, sometimes it'll raise an eyebrow. A 2.0 is a cause for concern from college, particularly if you're studying a, a, a field that requires some rigor that will be applied after school. I'm thinking about math and science and so on, where you learned a specific technical skill or a, an actual skill that is going to be applied the same way you applied it in school. We're not, I'm not saying that analyzing literature is not a skill. It absolutely is. It's one I'm not very good at. And 
the likelihood of someone doing right out of college what they did in college in the courses they took to get a degree in uh, literature analysis are probably pretty small. On the other hand, when you're hired as an engineer, you're going to be doing engineering stuff and they taught you the stuff you're supposed to know how to do. So 2.0 is very low. It's a C, it's straight C's and C's are in under college or below college grades. A C is considered average, a B is above average and four is often referred to as excellent. So if you hear somebody say a 3.5, that's really good in college in the U.S., generally speaking. A 3.0, if you tell a recruiter you say, I have a 3.0, unless they're recruiting for very unusual positions, a 3.0, they check it in their head and they're done. If you're sitting here wondering, how do I handle pitching my 3.1 in an interview? Just forget about it. You are worried about the wrong thing. <laughs> say 3.1 and be done with it. We do know, though, in Europe, uh, different points and scale systems are used. It's different everywhere. But we can say that the one other place we know, we have a lot of listeners in the UK, the designations are first or 2-1 or 2-2, and third are used. In Asia, some universities follow the U.S. system. Some use different systems. We're going to talk about the U.S. system here. In the UK, if someone says they got a first – that's the roughly the equivalent of a 4-hour top of the class, and it's highly regarded. Uh, Wendy shared with us before this cast that someone who got a 2-1 uh, um, or who got a second, a 2 and then a 1, did well. And generally, the 2-2 is a bit like a C or a, a 3 or a 2-0 in, uh, in the U.S. and is cause for concerns. And there's also something called a third, which is even lower than that, not to be respected terribly much. Again, we're going to use the U.S. GPA system, but the basic principles apply here. We're going to use examples from the U.S. because those roll easily off our tongues. But whatever system you have, the core of this cast is whatever you got is what you got. And when they ask you what you got, you tell them what you got. There is no spinning. There is no no ball is longer. There just is the number or the statement, which comes probably directly off of your transcript. The most common mistake we see when interviewees are asked, what is your GPA, is an answer that begins. And I know many of you have heard me talk about this, particularly those of you who've got the interview series, which is one of the most surprising products we've ever put out. I mean, thousands of people have bought it, and we continue to get emails from people saying, it changed my life, got me the job I wanted to get, and so on. And I've said often, any yes or no question, or what I call a digital question that requires a digital answer, either to say yes or no, or a digit, a number, any answer to that question, which begins with well, indicates that the well is, is the preface to a, a story. And if I ask you, how many apples do I have in my hand? Your answer ought not to be a story about the apples. It simply ought to be a counting of the apples. And in fact, it's worse than a story, right, Mike? I mean, when we say what's your GPA and somebody says, well, we don't assume they're going to tell us a story about how they got a 4-0, right? No. No, no. They're going to tell us about the low marks they yeah. got, right? The yeah. difficulties they had, the poor professors, the bad choice of subject. Um, the excuses. It'll be all about yeah. excuses. Yeah. yeah no, no, look, I had one person say, look, my parents died. You know, okay. And the one of the points of this cast is the correct answer to the question is the number. And then followed by, unfortunately, I had a rough time and I took five years because in year two, my parents died. And I was very direct and clear with them. I said, look, I, you know, that's going to hurt you. And you're going to be given a pass to some degree, and you can't start your answer with the story about your parents. You have to answer the question because when you answer first with the story, 
you're doing two things. You're telegraphing that your answer is not going to be good. And you're telling the recruiter that what you want them to know is more important than what they want to know. They will then worry about that for the rest of the cat, rest of the interview. They will then spend all of their time crafting very careful questions designed to allow you not to wiggle out of, and therefore listen much harder to your answers, give you much less room to breathe, and inevitably be looking for you to misstep for the rest of the interview. And it's a terribly, terribly wrong thing to do. So let's just be real simple and say there is only one answer to the question, what is your GPA? And that is a number. Or if you'd like, it's two numbers separated by a decimal point, a dot or a point, however you want. 3.2, that is two numbers and the word point. Or 3.4, that's two numbers, two numerals with the word dot in between them. Okay. Even if it is 1.0, it is what you got and you have to be able to say that number 1.0. Again, recruiters are going to get frustrated. They're asking a simple question. They have their pen poised over a box where they just want to write a number and get on with it. Yeah, they're going to draw a conclusion. But if we haven't figured out yet that they're going to draw a conclusion on everything we say and the matching of our tie and our shirt and our coat, which if you're a little bit colorblind, probably won't help you any either, but you won't walk in and say immediately, I'm colorblind, right? They're going to get frustrated if you don't answer the question. And there is something to be said. Recruiters love people who are candid, even when it's painful. In fact, candor is, in fact, about that, right? My dad told me once, good manners is, is using them when no one's around, right? It's using the butter knife when no one else is looking, when you're eating alone, right? So ethics means telling the truth, even if it hurts. Not because it hurts or not because it's technically true. It's because it's simply the right thing to do. Is a low GPA as as bad as everybody thinks it is? Why do they want to know the GPA and how bad is it really for us if we have a low GPA? Yeah. The first thing we need to know is that, let's be clear about something, folks. GPA is relevant. There are a lot of people who are saying it's not. And they often give anecdotes of people with a 1.0, which I will share with you in just a moment. I'm sorry, not a 1.0, but a very low GPA of someone who succeeded. And there are certainly um, studies that show the GPA is not as perfectly aligned as, as some people might like. But there is no perfect alignment between past and future. There, there's none, right? But there are several reasons. The first is it's just part of the fact gathering. Interviewing is finding out about a person what work experience they have, what skills they have, how well they articulate themselves, how they've reacted to certain situations, and an attempt to understand how well they'll do in a particular situation, right? To a certain extent, this isn't even about the person. It's about looking for a square-shaped person to fit into a square-shaped hole. If one of the factors of success in previous occupants of the job has been a stronger GPA than in others who didn't do as well, then one of the corners of that square is going to be a certain GPA. It's not a judgment call. It's just a fact. Your feelings about your GPA, good or bad, is immaterial. It's just a number. Now, look, some companies will only accept new graduates into entry-level roles if a certain grade, a certain GPA was achieved. To join the technical development program at Goodyear requires a 3.0 right? It doesn't matter how much you plead your case. They're not saying they're right. It's just their standard. In the same way that every supply chain in America is probably a little bit differently. None of them say ours is the right way. They just say, this is the way we do it. And we believe it achieves better results, right? It's a bit like how everybody feels about management. Look, if in fact, there are a thousand people wanting a hundred slots 
and there is no data to prove that anything in the past is an accurate prediction of the future. None. Let's assume none. The company has to make choices and they believe that GPA matters. You may, in fact, be the one that proves them wrong, but they can't simply say, well, we have no pure data, so therefore we're not going to use any discriminating factors. And I've often described interviewing as being a death of a thousand cuts. I had somebody once say, Mark, I've got so many other things that are so important and I've only got a 2.9, so you know, I'm afraid I probably won't get in. I said, well, it's going to be much, much harder for you because they can measure 2.9 versus 3.0, but they can't measure those other things. And in fact, you say you have those things, but those weren't really on your resume in a way that's powerful. Just because you say you're a leader, you know, how many leadership positions? Well, Mark, just because I haven't had five and this other guy's, I've had one, but this guy had five. I did mine much better. I said, well, there's no evidence of that. We've described interviewing as a black box, right? And it's hard to predict what goes in and what goes out and you don't understand the process in between. But look, in many cases, especially if the role is not specifically designated for a new graduate, and that, that's definitely uh, more common in smaller companies, GPA is only part of the larger picture. Recruiters in smaller companies or where, where GPA is not that important are still going to ask you your GPA, but they're going to take into account a lot of other things, okay? Companies that can actually afford to have development programs take the risk of employing raw graduates, teach them about the company, and during that time that they're in the program, they're rarely working to their maximum potential. They're rotated. They don't have time to fully contribute and so on. And generally, large organizations believe that intellect matters. And if it's a really smart company, they're hiring for positions one or two levels higher. And so they're looking for more discriminating criteria. And there are all, always people who get hired who have low GPAs and do fabulously well. My favorite story about this is our very good friend, John Hoffman, who's the CEO of a successful tech company out in California. John came through my recruiting company in 1988, I think, years and years and years ago. And uh, John had one of the lowest GPAs of any West Point graduate that I ever knew. In fact, I was asked to be John's roommate our junior year because I was doing well and he was not. And our goal was to keep him out of summer school. And he interviewed with a guy named, I want to say it was Al Gibson, I could be wrong, an interviewer for Applied Materials. And it was the last interview of the day on a two-day conference. It was the second day. John was the last guy that Al Gibson saw. And at the end of the interview, Al Gibson says, now this is a very technical company, Applied Materials. John does not have the GPA for the job, but was a natural leader, had the best evaluations of any officer I ever interviewed, and I interviewed thousands. And Al Gibson looked at John and said, John, I want you to know something. I'm not only more excited now at the end of this interview than I was at the beginning. I'm more excited now at the end of this interview than I was at the beginning of the day on Monday. This was Tuesday afternoon at five o'clock after 20 interviews. He says, I have no reason to hire you factually. And yet I'm going to find a way to hire you because I want people like you working for us. And as John Hoffman will tell you, when Al Gibson asked John Hoffman what his GPA was, I think John said 2.66. And just looked at him, John, and actually maybe, or I'm sorry, no, that's right. That's wrong. Not 2.66, 1.66, 1.66. Yeah. Yeah. Not between a C and a B, between a D and a C. And yet if John Hoffman tells you tomorrow's Christmas, you can get your stocking ready. And if John Hoffman's picking teams for something, you want to be in his team because he's going to win. And what's funny about it is that he said it actually made it easier that it was so much lower. If it had been to 2.9, I might've tried to finagle, but it's not, it's just 1.66. And he said, I just had to make everything else be better. 
And he says, I was well prepared. And, and frankly, John was smart enough to know. He says, look, if Al Gibson doesn't like me because of my GPA, there's nothing I can do about it. It was that way six years ago and it's never going to change. And I probably don't want to be at a company where the GPA is so important that they could discriminate against me based on that. Right. If you have to give an answer to the question, what is your GPA? And you consider it to be less than stellar. Remember, it's only one piece of information the recruiter is looking for. One answer, which is not as good as what was as, as the recruiter would have hoped for, does not make a bad interview. In fact, we've said before on air that it is never the first mistake you make in an interview that's the problem. It's the second and third and fourth mistake you make when after you make your first mistake, you in your head are beating yourself up. Ooh, I did that wrong. Ooh, I did that wrong. And then you don't hear the precision with precision the second and third and fourth question. You mess those up too. And the recruiter wonder where is it, wonders why it went south so fast. And it's because you were beating yourself up for the first question mistake you made, which they didn't really care about that much anyway. Yeah. So if you're asked, what is your GPA? Tell them a number, period. Okay. Now, <laughs> if we were to end the, the podcast here, I think we'd have a lot of disappointed folks, although they'd understand why this is so important. Yeah. And, and they'd be effective, right? I mean, look, I- <laughs> Yeah. And if they listen to this podcast when they're a freshman in, in college, it'd be even better because maybe they'd- Yeah. Maybe yeah, they'd learn to be better well, pay attention. I mean, Talk to my kids. They'll tell you, right? Two rules in college. Get good grades and have fun. Okay. Right? One of them tried to change it to study hard. I said, no, no. Studying hard is not what we want. We want to get good grades. <laughs> uh, okay. So let's, let's say I have a 2.1. I'm not terribly right. happy with it. I give the answer 2.1. Yeah. Just for the record, folks, Mike did not have a 2.1. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's say I did. Let's say I did. Um, right. And uh, Well, you wouldn't be let's my partner, I right? <laughs> Yeah. Let's let's say I had a significantly higher GPA than I did, and uh, I had a two point one. Right. I've given the answer. I mean, do I get any shot at all of of trying to explain? I did a lot of stuff in college. Yeah. That- yeah, you do. Okay. You do. It's different in different interviews. But look, the mistake that people are making that whole how do I handle this is. Let me see if I can tell them what I really want them to know. Can I give my excuses first? Can I tell them my story? And the first thing you got to realize is that GPA and answering of it and the, the explanation of it as well, two different things, the answer and the explanation. The answer is a number. The explanation is whatever you get to say. That is less important than honoring the rule that you answer the question you were asked, period. Okay? So if you're allowed to elaborate, sure, right? Look, even if there's not space on on an application for an explanation, they will ask a follow-up. They're human. They want you to be successful. And so if you say 2.1, you know what they're going to say? They're going to say, oof, that could be hard. And you'd say, yep. And by the way, when, when a recruiter pushes back a little bit, you agree. Okay? You agree. You say, yeah, right? <laughs> so when they say, wow, that could be hard, and then they pause for even a split second, and they don't ask their next question immediately afterwards in the same breath, you have an opportunity to elaborate, okay? Now, look, you don't want to tell a long story, but you need to rehearse for the possible outcome that a comment was is made. Like, again, even if you said 2.9, and they said, gosh, 3.0 is the cutoff. You would say, yes, I understand that. And, and then you would launch to your rehearsed elaboration, if you will, your part two of your answer, part one already having been given, right? You would bring up the factors that you believe contributed to your poor grades or whatever story you want to tell. Look, interviewers are looking for people who are able to take responsibility for what they've done and influence their lives in a good way. They're not looking for victims, okay? 
My daughter Kate was at Tulane in New Orleans when Katrina hit. If she had gotten a really bad GPA, she did not. The worst answer that she could have given, well, well, I was at Tulane when Katrina hit, so, so we had to be evacuated and couldn't go back for months. Facilities weren't there. Fresh didn't all come back. It was just really hard and I couldn't study. No matter what the circumstances are, your reaction and the outcome are your responsibility, okay? On the other hand, what Kate could have said is, I was at Tulane. I didn't study as hard afterwards as I had before. It brought my average down and I regret my distraction because of the hurricane. In other words, taking full responsibility that the hurricane didn't change the grade on the paper, right? And by the way, folks, this is made up. Kate's GPA didn't suffer after the hurricane, but we'll use Kate as an example. John Hoffman will say, you know, I got a low GPA. I excelled in leadership. I was well-regarded. I was overall, I think, an excellent cadet. And I struggled academically. And as I look forward to my life, I don't see myself going to a lot of courses. I'm good leading people. Now, I'm putting words into John's mouth. I don't think he actually said that. But with that low GPA, you're just very blunt about it. And you say, and here's what I have going for me. Okay. So you're also going to be given leeway for the fact that you were in difficult circumstances, if in fact that was the case. But an interviewer will respect you more when you're willing to own up to your part in whatever happened. So let's say you have a 2.9 and you know the standard is 3.0. You say, my GPA was 2.9. Now you don't say, unfortunately, because that's not a, a number to start off with. If somebody says, what's your GPA? You say, 2.9, unfortunately. And they say, yeah, gosh, that's unfortunate. You say, yeah, I regret it. Uh, when I look back, I probably could have gotten a 3-4. My first year, I was at a 2-3, and then I had to learn better study habits. And I applied myself and gradually climbed into get to 2.9. And by the way, you only have a couple of sentences. You don't have three paragraphs, okay? The longer the time, the more they think you're guilty and you're trying to make it go away. And in the same way that when we teach feedback and manager tools casts, we say, be brief, be brief, be brief, faster is better, faster is better, faster is better, in that it takes you longer. You're not softening things. Your directs don't like it. The recruiter doesn't like it. They've already got the number. The recruiter thinks the longer you talk, the worse it is. Okay. Now, tell me about recruiters and, and GPA. You, you mentioned a little bit, but GPA does really matter to recruiters, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I, I do. I want to say one more thing. It, it, folks, if you have a GPA that concerns you and you don't know how to tell your story, first of all, hopefully you're not thinking that way anymore, but just come to the forums and say, here's my GPA. Here's the story. What would you say? Now, you're going to find a lot of very smart people telling you, do what Mike and Mark said and say, my GPA is X and here's why. Okay. By the way, this is very similar to salary and location and other things. You answer the question and then you give elaboration later. We did tell you recruiters aren't judgmental. They do care about GPA. A lower GPA is going to limit your opportunities. Now, they may not be opportunities you want, and so therefore you may say that's not a limiting factor at all. But it's easy for recruiters to conclude that you have a low GPA because you're not as bright and intellect matters. Or you didn't try as hard. And trying hard matters, believe us. Since they're looking for the brightest candidates who also apply themselves, you'll be looked over more often. You'll be passed over for an opportunity more often than somebody with a higher GPA than you. Okay. However, your GPA is your GPA. You can't change it. 
And by the way, we don't recommend going back to school for four, to get another four years and getting a, a, another degree in the hope of bettering your GPA. It's a total waste. The better thing to do is to do really well in your first four years in the workplace. And if you got a 2-2 the first time through and then 15 years later went back and got a 4-0, they're going to assume that you matured and you know now how important GPA is. And so, and they could have told you that you didn't have to go back for four years to prove it, right? So look, instead of fighting recruiters for opportunities, which you want, which they won't give you because of your GPA, there are times when you need to choose opportunities where you can demonstrate alternative skills or experience or where the GPA won't have as much pressure on it as a differentiator. You know, it probably means you're not going to apply to some multinational corporation's website for their management development program when, in fact, it says GPA matters. If you've got a 2.0 and they need a 3.0, maybe there's a smaller firm, maybe there's a larger a firm that size, and you're not going to go into their management development program. And believe me, folks, you don't need to be in the management development program to be successful, okay? It means working your network a little bit more, maybe, to make some personal connections. And by the way, if we're bumming you out here, we're sorry. Your GPA is your GPA, and it is a discriminator, and we hate to be the bearer of bad news. There is nothing you can do in an interview to make it better. Nothing. Your GPA is what it is. There are things you can do to make it worse. That's trying to avoid talking about the number. It's okay to elaborate if you're given the opportunity, but it's not okay to elaborate before you give the number. And that's it. Answer the question. Hit the nail on the head. Bam. No matter how embarrassing it is, Admit it. Get credit for being candid and ethical and professional and answering the question that's put to you rather than having one strike, which is your GPA, right? And then delivering it effectively. Don't get two strikes by not sharing your GPA and then proving that you don't want to talk about it. Yeah, there you go. Right? So answer the question, elaborate if you can. And yeah, GPA does matter. But frankly, folks, it's not that important. It's not who you are. We know you're more than that. No human being can be reduced down to a number, let alone a whole page. This is an artificial reality. Interviewing is an artificial reality designed to keep people out. And the key word there is artificial. Excellent. That's it. Thanks, my friend. You bet, partner. We'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone. That's it. We'll see you all again next week. So long.